Welcome to Park Ave Baptist Church Podcast. A weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. I'm Himra Chanel, pastor of community engagement and stewardship. And I'm Darcy Jarrett, pastor of worship, advocacy, and arts. Park Ave is a bold, inclusive, and creative community where everyone is welcome. We uplift voices and identities that are marginalized elsewhere. We affirm all ethnicities, racial identities, ages, socioeconomic groups, gender identities, and sexual orientations because we hold to a theology that refuses to other anyone. At Park Ave, our leadership model is non-hierarchical. And we practice an open pulpit where you will hear a multiplicity of theologically trained voices from different backgrounds and social locations. We don't just preach and talk about deconstructing systems and structures of power. We We practice practice it. Through this podcast, we hope you will be inspired, encouraged, and challenged. Listen Listen with with us now. Park Avenue Baptist Church, in response to COVID-19, has suspended in-person worship, but that can't stop us. What you'll hear on this podcast is a recording of our online worship, which happens each Sunday at 10 a.m. Join us through our Facebook, at Park Ave Baptist, or our Instagram, at Park Ave Baptist. We hope that you stay safe in these difficult times. At this time, we will have a reading from Marcus White, um, Genesis 3, 17 uh, through 24. All right, a reading from the book of Genesis. To the man, he said, because you listened to your wife's voice and you ate from the tree that I commanded, do not eat from it. Cursed is the fertile land because of you. In pain, you will eat from it every day of your life. Weeds and thistles will grow from you, even as you eat the fields plants. By the sweat of your face, you will eat bread until you return to the fertile land. Since from it, you were taken, you are soil, to the soil you return. The man named his wife Eve because she is the mother of everyone who lives. The Lord God made the man and his wife leather clothes and dressed them. The Lord God said, The human being has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Now, so he doesn't stretch out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. The Lord God sent him out of the Garden of Eden to farm the fertile land from which he was taken. He drove out the human to the east of the Garden of Eden. He stationed winged creatures, wielding flaming swords to guard the way of the tree of life. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Um, So for those of y'all who don't know me, my name is Deacon Lindsay Huggins, and I just wanted to have a time together for our young saints, all of our young people, our kids, everyone who's so important to this congregation, and for our grown-up folks to invite you to embrace your inner child in this moment as uh, we talk to our kiddos. So today in service, we are going to be celebrating communion. Now, you know, communion is that special time where we take bread and juice and grape juice, and we remember the time that Jesus got together with his disciples, with his closest friends, with his closest people, and celebrated their connection together in that moment and their love for one another, especially Jesus's love for everyone there. But also when we take communion together, we remember Jesus's love for everybody, for all people, and how big, big, big that love is and how 
big the love of God is. Now, I can remember the first time that I took communion. I was about eight years old and I had just been baptized and I had just decided that I wanted to follow Jesus. I'd just been baptized and that meant I got to take communion for the first time. And I remember getting my piece of bread and my little cup of grape juice. And we did it a little differently at my home church. We didn't, we didn't get to go up front and get communion. We got it brought to us. So I remember getting my little cup and getting my bread and feeling like I was part of something really special in that moment. I was part of something really special going on. And you know what? Today, this morning, when I was thinking about us all taking communion together, I was thinking about that very first time that I took communion and how special it was. And something that I think is very exciting about communion is that we get to be connected to everyone else around the whole world who also celebrates communion. Everyone else who has the bread and has the juice. We get to celebrate Lord, the Lord's Supper together. And you know, sometimes we can feel really far away from what's going on on the other side of the world. But communion, community, the Lord's Supper together reminds us that we're connected to everyone across the world and that God's love is big enough for the whole world. We also get to remember, and something Pastor Darcy is going to talk to us about a little bit later, is that we are connected to the earth. When we have our bread, we're reminded of the wheat that grows in the ground. When we have our juice, we're reminded of the grapes that grow and the people that grew them and God's creation and how every time we celebrate this meal together, this very special time that we are so connected. So even though we're on our computers right now and we're not together, we can still be all connected to each other. All right, will y'all join me in prayer? God, thank you for each of our young saints, wherever they are. God, you created them so special and so unique in your sight. God, help us to remember that even when we're far apart, we are connected to you and to your love that is big enough for everyone in this world. God, help us to remember every time that we eat, every time that we drink, that we remember your creation, we remember your earth and our call to take care of it and to help it grow. God, in all things that we do this week, help us feel connected to love. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lindsay. That was beautiful. So as we move into the sermon, that prayer said it all, Lindsay. Um, just pray with me one, one short time. God, we come, we come to you trying to see you anew. And let the words, the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of those hearts out there that will see this and engage with it be found pleasing in your sight, God. You are our rock. You are the earth. You are our redeemer. Amen. So we're in the sermon series that's called Remembering, uh, Self-Care Sundays, Remembering. And, and I wanted to call this one Remembering Your Sacred Story and Remembering Your Sacred 
land, really. So this is the last one of our sermon series. So I'm going to trace a little bit where we've come through this service. Um, and then we'll talk about the land and our connection to remembering how we are connected to the land. Let me grab my notes. So we started off this sermon series talking about dreams and dreams are something that some of us wake up and remember and some of us wake up and we have trouble remembering. And maybe in that dreaming, like Jung said, we are connected to this collective unconscious. Um, and so we tried to in the first week focus on dreams and their place in the biblical narrative as well. And on the second week, Pastor Henra reminded us about remembering our scars, remembering the ways that we have been bodily impacted in our stories and the lessons therein. And remembering that, we can remember how far we've come. I've heard it said, faith is hope with a track record. And so we can look at our track record and say, wow, I've gotten through. And then we had Dr. Pat Reyes, who reminded us of the memories that water holds for us. And he suggested that we create sacred space and time in the mundane. We're being asked right now to wash our hands 10 to 15 times a day. And so he took this ritual of hand washing and, or, or made it a ritual of hand washing, talking about the hands of his son and speaking life over his son. It was beautiful. And then our very own Deacon Daniel Bass taught us and showed us and asked us to remember how to nourish ourselves well, right? Knowing when to feast and when to fast. That's always hard for me. Um, and so in this reminder, we can become, we can come back into balance with ourselves and remember what we really need. Cameron Johnson talked about our childhood selves who are so formed by imagination and those important ways that we use our imagination when we were young. He asked us to do that now, using our imagination to imagine futures, to imagine liberative futures, to imagine black futures that are beautiful and that are safe. And then last week, Minister Leah brought it uh, to our breath and in our bodies, the very way that God breathed God's ruach into us to create life. And in that, reminding us amid a time when COVID-19 and police anti-Black violence is trying to stomp out our breath, that we can remember to breathe and breathe life into that which was dry and dead. And so this week, all of those had to do so much with, with remembering um, in a corporeal way, in a, play, in a way that had to do with our bodies and our minds. And we think, it's our assertion, that self-care can be this process of remembering. That if we're inspired, we can take on something new, right? We can we can add something to our regimen, but maybe self-care at its root is a process of remembering. I remember in this time that playing a musical instrument was something that really made me come alive when I was young. So 
I started playing a musical instrument again. I remember the ways that play and using this playful side of myself brought, brings me into the moment. And so I try to do that, right? Um, so self-care doesn't have to be, now I'm doing this all the time. It can be. Um, and so this moving from a way that we're remembering our bodies and our minds today in our final sermon we're going to talk about remembering our bodily connections to the land right and we see in this scripture that we read today that um maybe we've been alienated from the land right i've been really, really inspired by the book, the words and the work of um, Robin Wall Kimmerer, who wrote this beautiful book called Braiding Sweetgrass. And Robin is not only a botanist and um, a scientist and a poet, um, she's also a Potawatomi woman who speaks of the lessons that she is learning from the land and has learned these important lessons throughout her life. And it is so inspiring. She talks about the lessons from wild strawberries and the lessons of the Council of Pecans. And so in a time when we see over and over white female-bodied people particularly benefiting and um, pantomiming and not citing their work, I want to say that this exegesis would not have happened without the work that Dr. Kimmerer put in in this beautiful book. So I would recommend it to everyone. Um, and so this pericope that we read, this scripture passage that we read today, it's kind of bleak, right? I mean, we hear God essentially condemning Adam and Eve, right? I've heard the sermon that oh he made god made clothes for for adam and eve and sent them out and that is that is the showing love that we see in the passage um and i want to say that in reading the commentaries about this pericope all of them used this language that is really framed by our justice system, I would say. The language of inquest and sentencing and condemning, right? This is all language that is developed because of a retributive justice system, a, a justice system that relies on punishment. And perhaps as we've done so often we've missed what our what this genre of writing in the bible is trying to tell us right this is allegory this is a story that we are going to learn from right and so you know this language possibly is is getting it wrong maybe this passage is in fact a divine warning against what will happen if we become alienated from the land, right? This corrective lens is about the justice system that is in the world, right? But this genre is allegory. So perhaps the allegory is trying to teach us what would happen. It's not condemning us to this toiling over the land, to this existence that sounds painful and hard. Kimmerer talks about the Potawatomi sky woman 
the origin story of the Potawatomi people and many native peoples is that Sky Woman fell from the sky realm and with her brought seeds from the tree of life. So Kimmer talks about and juxtaposes the experience of Sky Woman and how that cosmology sets up the world as a place of gratitude and a gift, not unlike our Garden of Eden, yet the falling out of the sky is not like the ejection and the condemnation that we've read in the past about leaving the Garden of Eden. But in fact, what, it, what came from this tree of life is a gift. And the ground is built on the very gratitude. In collaboration with animals and Sky Woman, the ground and the earth is built. And so how could our framework of how we're looking at the earth shift if maybe God wasn't saying this is your, what you're condemned to, but instead, beware, if this happens, this is what will come. You will toil, you will have pain, you will have to struggle. And what if Eve's eating of the, the tree for, from the tree of knowledge of good and evil wasn't her condemning all women uh, or all people with original sin, but instead was them becoming alienated with from the land and this divine prediction of how humans if we forget our connection to the land might treat the sacred land and and our lives then then this con this isn't a condemnation but in fact a warning right and and so if we think about when our religious system that we are connected with so closely became connected to empire became connected to retributive systems and systems that then led to our rationalizing taking land from native folks in the doctrine of discovery and this way that we thought we could possess the land right? We, and the stories that we read in the Bible, the land narratives, the ancestor lineages that we see oftentimes are divorced from the land. It's names of people, not places. So this history of a landless people coupled with our empire married uh, religious system, Christianity, um, we came up with this way that we thought about manifest destiny and we thought about how we were supposed to we are the chosen people to take the land right and i've been thinking a lot about ancestors and my family and my dad has been doing this research for years and sent me our family history that that has been figured out so far and eight generations ago um, and i think this is why i'm so committed to undoing narratives that told people that it was okay to steal land or even that land could be possessed by a people right because eight generations ago my forefather joseph Roden, uh, joseph osborne served in the revolutionary war and was gifted land in the little miami river valley 
And this is the ancient and sacred land of the Miami people. It was the, also the land many people ended up traveling through this area because of manifest destiny, because of colonization, and were pushed outward. So eight generations ago, my people toiled, no doubt, Joseph toiled on the land. And it got me thinking, what, what does it cause? Because today, and specifically in COVID, I see so many joyful gardeners out there, right? My own, my own spouse is a joyful and relaxed gardener, gardening being this connection, right? So what was different about what made Joseph have to toil on the land? And, and it got me thinking in this larger framework of toiling on the land means that I am not connecting with the native species that are on the land. I'm trying to shape the land to my will. I am not thinking about the wild strawberries like Robin Kimmerer talks about, the wild strawberries that are a gift the native plants, the fruit trees that are growing because generations ago, people planted them knowing that the pecans would all fall right when we needed them. Um, and so thinking about toiling on the land made me think about commercial farming and farming that brings in species that were not native to the area. And this is when we begin toiling on the land, right? And so how, the question comes back to me, how can, in remembering my sacred connection to the land, how can I begin to think differently about my own role with the earth, how I connect with the earth? Um, one thing, and we were talking about this in the breakout room, Studies have shown that if you get the microbes of dirt under your nails, that it has a similar impact to antidepressants in your body, right? And I'm not saying don't do antidepressants, but as a person with major depression, a part of my brain is shutting down because of not being stimulated, right? We see this in, in neglected children. The brains begin to shut down when not stimulated. Maybe the stimulation that my body needs is with the earth. So the question comes to me, we can remember our sacred connection to the land. And the question that I wanna lead us into in our breakout rooms is, where do we go from here? How can we begin to connect with the land and let that reshape us? I reached out to a couple of environmentalists in the congregation, and unsurprisingly, all of them were going to be in the forest this weekend, knowing that doing that can reshape and change our brain chemistry, right? So how are we changing? How can we alter our self-care to change our brain chemistry. I'm looking at Charmaine. I know they spent so much time this summer going to parks and being outside and changing their brain chemistry. So let's do a short breakout and try to answer the question, how would remembering our sacred connection to the earth shape and reshape our own self-care? Lindsay, can you do breakout rooms for just a quick five minutes?
And some of y'all stay in the main room and we can keep talking. Kevin, that's what I was talking about with the um, antidepressants. Mm -hmm. um, that's mind blowing to me that, oh my gosh, the earth has medicine in the dirt. And these intricate systems that are built to care for not just creation. I mean, we are creation, right? Yeah. <laughs> All creation. That just, it blows my mind. And that's also something that I've had to do significantly. Like when you talk about changing our self-care so we can change like the way our brain is functioning and just I think about the way that we think about our stuff when like there's neural pathways that are you know carved out in our brain from early childhood and a lot of these signs are they're super traumatic and it's like okay why can't I reconnect with these different things it's like well I was told I wasn't allowed to I was told not to look here I didn't know and now we're at a point where it's just like we are learning how we can change our brains, change our mind. And like, so when like, you know, Jesus is like, repent, change your mind. That's literally all he's saying. He's just like, not about like, you know, repent of thinking that you were separate from me and let's get on with it, you know? I love that. <sighs> no, Kevin, that's one of my favorite things, but repent of thinking you were separate from me. Like that was, Oh gosh, that's just so powerful. Or like repent of thinking that like anyone could have told you otherwise, you know, that, you know, that's just like, oh, that's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. What were you going to say, Pastor Henry? Oh, no, just in the, in, in the lens of how you're speaking in, in connection with land, um, it, it does bring back my memories of toiling <laughs> and how I used to hate toiling as we had a garden, um, as I was growing up, it was a, a huge garden. And I, I hated <laughs> going into the garden and moving the rocks and the weeds so the corn could grow and all of these vegetables could grow. And I hated that process up to the point where we <laughs> where it got to the, the corn was here and we were eating it. So, I mean, you hate the process of, of, of trying to create something from the land, but then when it comes to full fruition, you understand what it, what it all was for. So... Um, you know, it just brought to my mind, you know, how we create from the earth, how we live, um, how we can survive um, just just from laying if, if we mm -hmm. treat it right and, and, and take time um, to grow, grow, grow with what it is that we need. So, um, yeah, originally I was reading a book called Change the Story, Change Your Change the World. And mm -hmm. it was like this very high level story about essentially development and how development divorces us from the land and instead puts us on a currency system that mm -hmm. says you have to produce so much in order to have the paper money thing that exactly. then you can function in the society. Whereas if we just have the gifts from the land yeah. and the gifts and the exchange of gifts become so important in this gift economy, which yeah. is kind of what's developing right now. I was talking with someone else about this, about how capitalism has really only been around for 300 years ish, maybe. And so it's like 300 in the history of humanity, only 300 years. And we realize what it's done. We can go back. We can like go back to something that worked. Yeah. And 
you know yeah. like i i have hope for it like i you know call me i'm, I'm such a diehard optimist i don't know what it you know gets to the school <laughs> maybe but that's what i hope for it, yeah. if not in my generation in y'all's kids generation because that would be dope to die an old old human with like everyone has no money because we're just giving gifts everywhere and they become water, more, water, more valuable water. when you give them more. Marquise, yeah. were you going to say something? I was not. I no was... pressure. No pressure. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it looked like you were like. No, I was just like super interested in that. I never thought about the fact that there could be a world without capitalism. I mean, I was at that point. was kind of. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Well, yeah. and they say, I've read this too, that, that the system as it is prevents you from imagining what could be next, right? Exactly. It's exactly. this deft Keeps this dearth, dearth of imagination. Yeah. yeah. When, when it was it Willie J. Jennings said like, America has a diseased social imagination because we mm. visualize anything outside mm. of survival sometimes, yeah. especially mm -hmm. when you're traumatized. From yeah. That's why reading fiction and these, is, particularly future utopian counter utopian books is so important awesome is everyone back um we've got three <laughs> close okay yay well um not to put everybody on the spot but i'm gonna put everybody on the spot um did you guys have some fruitful takeaways let's harvest to continue my metaphor let's harvest from what you all spoke about does any i'm gonna uh, Everybody can come off on mute or can unmute. Um, is it, does anybody want to share about the findings that they, um, that they were coming up with in the, in the breakout rooms? I'm asking everyone to unmute, but um, no pressure. I unmuted some people. Anyone? No. Well, I'll, I'll mention something. Uh, one of the things that, you know, I tend to run, I'm a runner. So I love running outside more than likely. It's usually in town, but there are times where I go out and trail run, socially distance with some people. Because I'm a Taurus, I have to, I just have to have a little more immersion sometimes in nature. Um, and trail running makes me slow down in the sense that I can pay attention to the earth and to nature. And there have been several times where a white-tailed deer has run across my path or a bunny rabbit or, like I said in the, chat, in the group, even a copperhead was, a, was in our path. But I see those encounters with animals as a visitation for, from God. I really do. Um, and so it causes me to slow down and to appreciate all that God has provided and, um, and to just slow down. That's self-care for me. And I feel re-energized um, when I have that time in God's creation, a little bit more immersed, intimate time with what God has provided for us. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Well, I can share a little bit about what we talked about. We, I mean, we spoke about kind of high level things, but the, the idea that, you know, it's this, this system is, sort of economy right now that prevents us from seeing that simple connections with the earth are what used to sustain us right um and so 
we kind of took it to capitalism. You know me, I'm going to like go, go there. But I think it's so true. And so I spoke to um, Leah Kelly, who, if y'all don't know her, um, is an, just an amazing human and a gardener and a very um, just lovely human. And she, she was talking to me. So she studies um, therapeutic horticulture. And she's in her internship. And when I shared this with my mom, she said, I want that. <laughs> I think, I think, yes, I want that too. And horticulture, and what they do is use lessons from nature to inform the, the process of people becoming whole again, which is so clearly obvious, this connection, right? And she says they're always collecting caterpillars and, um, I love that. Um, and when someone is done with their treatment, they get to release a butterfly. And, you know, I mean, this is like, we've heard this metaphor all the time, right? The, the butterfly coming from the chrysalis, right? But to, to have that be happening in our lives right then, they tell the story of metamorphosis and it means something just more right? When you're connecting it to your story and you're living it out. And that's what Dr. Kimmer does in the book as well, Braiding Sweetgrass. Um, so she talks to them about how there's a moment when the caterpillar becomes completely liquidified in the, in the chrysalis. It is the chrysalis, right? And then it, it, a miracle happens and it becomes a butterfly. And so they release these butterflies. And that metaphor is just so much more rich when it's combined with what we're actually doing in our lives right then. Um, she's the one who pointed me to the research about the microbes under our fingers. Um, and so, and then I also talked to Cody Norred, um, who it was also going into nature this weekend. And he was talking about and relating this process of, of becoming alienated from the land as a failure to Sabbath. I thought that was so beautiful. And he said that when we fail to Sabbath, we, our relationship becomes out of balance with the earth. And that's when we have to toil. And that's when we pillage. And that's when we take that which is not ours and we try to possess it. And so, it, you know, if we want to ask the question, where do we go from here? How do we reconnect? How do we do this? I think there are so many ways, right? Um, I built an altar again this morning and put some dirt on it and I've been like putting it under my nails, right? Just on purpose. I don't know if you can shortcut it like that, but I'm going to try. Um, I'm inside, but um, reconnecting with the dirt. Um, Again, Leah was telling me, and um, I, I remember talking about um, places where we can go and pick fruit in the city, right? There's tons of them around. There's some in, my, in the park behind my house, right? So remembering the sacred connection could be working with concrete jungle to pick fruit around the city to give to, uh, to, to families in need right now. It could be as simple as remembering to ask permission from the land. Um, in talking to Keith 
Menhenik this week, he told me that I had to tell this story and I got permission from Luis to tell the story, but how we've lived out the lessons in this book in our house is that we are, we always ask permission, right? Um, and also Luis being, you know, this really into uh, hospitality kind of person has created a worm hotel. And so each time we discover a guest by digging in the backyard and finding a worm, we ask permission if the worm would like to come to the hotel, right? But it's simple. It's a simple way to continue this process of consent, right? I think our God is one of consent. Um, and, and so he asks permission to, for, from the little worm uh, to meet its family in the hotel. Eventually, we hopefully put them on the compost pile, but, you know, whatever happens, those worms are in the hotel. Um, and so I just think these simple ways right? And the microbes that get under our nails when we're doing this work can be healing us, right? So in the words of Jan Richardson, you know, taken in a different way, did you not know what the Holy One can do with dust? Did you not trust that the Holy One had a plan for you in nature? Has a wild strawberry around the corner or a pecan that will fall from the trees right at the right time? or the late blooming maple that will provide that sugar that we need in the deep of winter. Do you not know what the Holy One can do with dust? May we make it so. Thank you for listening to the Park Avenue Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to worship with us in person, our services are on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. ish. We are at 486 Park Ave in Southeast Atlanta across the street from Grant Park at the corner of Park Ave and Sydney Street. To find out more about us or get in touch, visit our website at parkavebaptist.com. Now go into a world that is too often unjust, knowing that the God that created you loves you and empowers you to love boldly, live inclusively, and serve creatively. Creatively.